Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. Um, but friends, I want to share something incredible with you today. God has laid this on my heart, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 52. And we're going to read, read a poem there. Um, as I, let me just quickly get the exact verse. I think it's verse 7 to verse 13. I just want to make sure I stop in time. My cheat sheet here. Verse 7 to verse 10. We're going to read that. I'm reading out of the NIV. And it goes like this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who brings good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, They will see it with their own eyes. Burst into song of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Isn't that just an incredible portion of scripture? What a proclamation of joy. But I want to focus on the very first bit of this poem. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Now friends, we live in a, in a bizarre time where all of a sudden all of our communication has started going digital. Initially it was the cool thing to do. We all had WhatsApp groups and I think we all really, really enjoyed the day when they brought the feature that only admins can post posts. That was wonderful. One of the best days in the technological revolution. Um, But now we're forced to because we are in isolation. We need to spend most of our times in our own homes, in our own world, in our own little spots. So everything we do is digital. And the problem with this is it's so easy to not know what is the truth anymore. Because how many scam messages are being sent through all of a sudden? How many people want to offer you credit cards? How many people want to offer you advice on what you should wear, what, and what position you should pray, what omega oils you must rub on, which, uh, what essential oil needs to go where, what, what, what product you need to buy to cleanse your house? We have all of these random messages going around. And at the end of the day, it's tricky to sometimes find what on earth is the truth. What is God saying to me in this time? In fellowship, it's easy because you can see my facial expression. You can see this guy uh, from a mile away. He's coming. Yeah. There's a little joke. goes like this. A snake sails up to a mouse. And the mouse goes, no, no, please, please don't eat me. And the snake says, no, 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 calm down. I'm not here to eat you. I just want to know if you're interested in some essential oils. And the mouse looks at the snake and says, please eat me. And I think that's how we often feel, is you get confronted by so many messages that we don't know what is the truth. We don't actually know what to believe anymore. And the problem with this is the moment we start hearing the good news in the midst of all of this nonsense, we don't always know how to identify. So we're going to look at this portion of Scripture and kind of look at it in three different eras that the Bible gives us and that we are currently living in. So we're going to start in the Old Testament, 
as you know, the Israelites, they loved going into bondage because they didn't enjoy just doing what they're supposed to be doing. So every once in a while, they would just stop serving God, and then the Babylonians would come and <laughs> take them away. And then they're stuck in that foreign land. And we see a miraculous thing that one of these stories happens in Babylonia is the story of Daniel and his friends. And we all love the story. We love telling it to our kids, Daniel and the lion's den. It's a wonderful story. It's like, yeah, that's power. That's how powerful my God is. He can close lion's beaks. Well, they don't have beaks, mouths. Yeah. I'm thinking of hippogriffs or something nonsense. Um, <laughs> so we, we love that part of the story. But what I want to focus on today is there's a decree, Daniel 3. You can turn with me there. Uh, we're going to read a couple of verses there. There's a de decree that Nebuchadnezzar gives out to all the people. And they, he, they make a massive gold statue of him. And then throughout the day, they would blow trumpets and they would blow lyres and they would make a big noise. And then the whole Babylon had to stop and bow down to the statue. And we see Daniel's three friends just refuse to do this. And I want to read you their, their statement. It's verse 16 to 18. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, friends, they grasped something that the prophet Jeremiah taught the people as well, is that when we are in a culture, our function in that culture should be to prosper that culture, but never to become that culture. And the incredible thing of this story is they were servants in the king's office. So they were in the courts of the king. They weren't just random oaks. They were highly skilled people. They were sought after people. And the reality is that they said, There's a, yeah, we, we're here to bless Babylon. Even though we're here in bondage, this is not my home. But I am here to bless this place that I'm at. The good news I carry in me is to bless this place around me because God wants to bless everybody. But I will never bow down to the false gods. I will never forget who the real God is. So the good news that they're carrying is something that brings them in direct conflict of the current culture. And doesn't that sound familiar? What they believe puts them in the crosshair of the king to throw them in the fire. And we all know the story. They end up going into the fire. After this conversation with the king, he gets so mad, he makes the fire seven times hotter. And then he throws them in. And to his surprise, he looks into the fire and he's like, but did we not throw in three people? Why are there four now? And the one looks like the image of the son of God, the son of man. The most amazing things happen the moment that we carry the message of the gospel with us. If our feet 
are eager to run and say, but God is king. No one else is. I will not bow down to any other idol, whether it be the king, whether it be a gold statue. I will not bow down to the culture of this time, but I will stand firm in the fact that God is Lord of all. Jesus, Lord of all. And God saved them in that situation. And if we take it a little bit further into the future, if we take it to the New Testament, we see that Christ comes and he also lives in the way that Jeremiah taught the people to live. He came and he was 100% counterculture without destroying the culture. He lived amongst the people, but he taught a message that was completely upside down to what everybody was expecting. Because the Jews read it like this. God is going to send a mighty king and he's going to come and free us from the current oppression we're having. And they expected a warrior king with a massive army that's going to sweep the Romans off of the face of the earth. But we know that's not the way that God worked. Jesus came and, and, and the message that he preached was, the weakest of you is the most powerful in the kingdom. It's not the one wielding the sword, but it's the one praying for his enemies that's going to change the world. It's a completely counterculture conversation that Jesus was leading, even amongst the Jews. It wasn't just counterculture for the Romans, it was counterculture for the Jews, because they wanted to destroy the Romans. Their hearts weren't inclined to say, but I need to pray for them. So Jesus comes, and he makes the bold claim, and he says, but I am the Son of God. I am the good news. And while he's alive, it's, it's quite incredible, but the Jews don't really recognize him for that. But there's a story in Matthew. It's in, um, let me just quickly get it here, Matthew 8, verse 5 to 13. We see the story of the centurion. So this Roman centurion comes to Jesus, and he is a centurion. So he's got men underneath him. He is a mighty man in the eyes of the world. In the current culture, he is considered a king. Because when he says, go, they go. And when he says, come, they come. And he comes before Jesus and he falls on his knees and he says, Lord, I know how it feels to have power. And I know that you have power. I know that you are the Lord. Just say that my daughter must be healed and she will be healed. I'm not worthy that you come into my house. I'm not worthy that you walk all the way to me. I know that if you come on it, it will be so. And Jesus' response to that is, I have not seen faith like you among anybody on earth. And Christ embodies the picture of what the good news is. And that is that he is the center of everything. He is the Lord of all. And if we go back to the poem, if you think of a messenger's feet back in the day, how would they look by the time they get to you? Dusty, ugly, bloodied, beaten, especially if he's been running because it's a good story to tell. Who does that remind you of in the story? Christ's feet were bloodied. They were dusty. They were beaten. Because he knew that to be the good message, to be the good news, he had to fulfill everything that the Bible was prophesying about him. 
That's why we can see in Isaiah 52, it's already a declaration of the messenger to come. And Jesus is the messenger, but he's also the message. And it's incredible because he comes and he doesn't only speak things, but he actually showed us how to live these things. And friends, today, I actually want to ask you a couple of questions. Because in our current era, it's so easy to forget exactly what we are busy with. The problem with isolation is that we get lost and trapped in our own minds. And the problem with YouTube is you then get to verify your own opinions on YouTube because you can find your own nonsense there. The reality is we're facing a time where we need to figure out what is the good news. So the question I want to ask you today is, what are you spreading? Are you spreading COVID? Please don't. Stop. Not nice. Okay. Are you spreading every rumor that comes across your WhatsApp feed? Are you spreading every single doctor's message that you find on Facebook? Or are you actually praying and asking God, what am I supposed to spread? See, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. It's in uh, Matthew 5 verse 37. He's talking about oaths there. And he says this, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And the problem is, we have gotten to a place where we, it's so much easier to spread COVID information than it is to spread the good news of Christ who is risen and resurrected and coming back to come and collect us. It's so much easier to forward the message of the riots than it is to send a message of hope. And friends, today, I want to encourage you, let us be the light of this world. We are not called to spread fear and chaos. In Peter, I think it's 2 Peter, he writes and he says, fear is driven out by perfect love. The only way we get to be counterculture in today's culture is to not fall for the trap of fear. To not let fear be the driving force of every little decision that we make. The current conversation everybody's bogged down with is like, should I get this vaccine or not? And friends, I'm not here to tell you yes or no. I'm here to tell you if God is not speaking to you, you're not listening. You must do what he tells you to do. I know what my conviction is and I know what I'm going to do. But my job here is not to convince you of that. My job here is to let you listen to what God is telling you specifically to do. Because we're living in the time that Joel prophesied. We are seeing dreams. We are seeing faces. We are hearing directly from God. We no longer need the prophet to tell us what God is saying. He is speaking to each and every one of us. And for us to be counterculture, we need to get this. We need to be the hope of the nation. We need to shine His light, not my thoughts. Because we all, in isolation, become pessimistic, become downcast, become fearful of every single thing. In fact, there's a new disease that has come from the isolation worldwide where people are fearful of leaving their homes it's a psychological condition that has developed that people are now going for therapy for because they don't have the ability to leave their homes anymore let us not become trapped in the traps that satan is laying for us because he wants us apart he wants us to believe we're going through this alone 
But friends, we have each other. We have a God that so loved us that he was willing to sacrifice himself. He was willing to die so that we may live. And what did he defeat on the cross? Did he defeat COVID? Absolutely. Did he defeat fear? Absolutely. Did he, defear, uh, did he defeat a poverty mindset? Absolutely. He defeated every single thing that we can come face to face with. But we have the choice. Are we going to listen and stand in the authority of Christ? Or are we going to listen and stand in the fear that gets sown by all of these troubles that face us? And friends, COVID is real. It's, it's not like it's this fairy tale. If you speak to anybody that's had it, they go like, you don't want it. You know, the reality of this disease is that it has taken so many loved ones away from us. But the truth is that this is not our home. Just like the Israelites, we have been taken into bondage and this is not our home. But our call is to profit the home that we're at now or the place that we're at now. Because we don't belong here, we belong to the King of Kings. And because of that, we get to be different. Because of that, we get to be hopeful and joyful of tomorrow. We don't live in the fear of the economists. Because God's currency isn't money. God's currency is people. And if we miss that, if we miss the fact that we are called to love people just like Jesus loved me, the sinful person standing in front of you. He saved me from that because he loved me first. Now I get to love other people. And if you forget that, then we, then we just fall and spiral in that spiral of fear and doubt. And it's so much easier to then just forward the message that we've received on WhatsApp. So friends, today, I want to encourage you, in this current climate, what hope are you spreading? What are you sending to the people around you? When people see you running on the mountain, coming to tell them something, what are they thinking? Are they dreading the conversation? Because, oh no, here comes another load of whatever. Or are they joyful and saying, how beautiful are the feet on the mountain of the person bringing good news? Friends, in a time like we're living at at the moment, we need to be the salt of the world. And I'm going to end off with this analogy. If you take salt in the kitchen, it's a wonderful ingredient. And if you've got the perfect steak... It's a wonderful ingredient. And we know that if you, if you put this thing on the fire, you need to season it. A little bit of salt here, flip it around, a little bit of salt there, becomes nice. You know, we're called to be the salt. We're, spo- we're supposed to make the steak nice. But what happens if you take all the salt you own and put it on one steak? Oh, gedroogde vis. It becomes horrible. It's inedible. It becomes something that nobody wants. And if we as a church are not going to start being salt everywhere, we're going to start becoming like all the salt in the container that on its own nobody wants. If you put all of that salt on one piece of steak, it might be the best, juiciest piece of steak in the world, but that heap of salt will utterly, completely destroy it. We're called to not just congregate together, but we are called to take this hope, this light that we have, the salt that we've been given to spread, and take it everywhere around us. And friends, I want to encourage you with that. Love the people around you well. Love the people you work with well. 
Respect the people around you. Give them the true good news, which is that Christ is bigger than any circumstance. Christ is stronger than any enemy. And on the cross, he defeated it all. And in his resurrection, we get to partake in the true life that comes from loving Jesus. Friends, let's be real. Let's be salt that's spreading around our area and make sure that what we spread is the hope of God, the hope of a true life in Him for the rest of eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, we stand before you, and our prayer is that our feet would be beautiful, carrying the message of your gospel. We pray that wherever we go, we will season the world accordingly to what it's supposed to be seasoned at, and not just take all of our salt and dump it on one stake. Jesus, let us be real. Let us be caring, loving in the same way that you are caring for us and loving us. In a time where there's so much hate, so much misinformation, so much conspiracy going around. Jesus, I pray that we will hear from you and seek to hear from you. That we will only share the gospel. Only share the good news. Only share what you have given us to share. Jesus, thank you that we're not alone in this. Thank you that we know that we are in this together with you and with all of our friends and with our entire church family. And together, Jesus, we know that your kingdom already triumphed. And in us, your kingdom can come to this world. And that's our prayer, Jesus. Let you be glorified. Let you be shown for exactly who you are, the King of kings and the Lord of all. That's why we pray it in the only name that makes any sense, the name of Jesus Christ, our God and King. Amen.